All right, all right. Well, good morning. It's so good to see you guys. I want to welcome everybody here. Welcome everybody to all of our campuses and watch it online as well. Before we jump into this, I just want to just take a moment and uh, just say, would you please continue to pray uh, for the people in Turkey and Syria? I just read this morning now that's over 33,000 people have been killed in this massive earthquake. And I just want to let you know, because of your generosity and your faithfulness as a church, um, we were able to send funds to Samaritan's Purse, who already has boots on the grounds, who's already put in medical teams in place, who's already providing comfort and shelter and things like that. And so because of your generosity, we as a church are a part of that. So I just want you to know that. If you would like to be part of that, you can go to the Samaritan's Purse. There's all kinds of great organizations. We really like the Samaritan's Purse because we know that they're gonna share the gospel with people. They're gonna show the love of Christ with people. And if you wanna be part of that, you can. Uh, you can also give through your church. We have a mission fund that we just, when things like this happen, missions and outreach, we wanna make sure we're ready to do that. If you wanna be part and actually help replenish that, that is completely up to you. Uh, but before we jump into this, can we just pray that God somehow will use uh, this tragedy and, and, and people and missionaries there that can really just love on people and share the gospel uh, with the people in Turkey and Syria. So come on, as a church, come on, can we just lift them up and pray? Father, thank you. Um, God, you've given us another day of life. And God, how easy we take it for granted that we're here today and we're gone tomorrow, the brevity of life. And so, Father, we just pray right now for all the families and all the people in this area, in this region of Turkey and Syria. God, we pray that through a blanket, through a hot meal, through a tent, through medicine and the medical teams that are there, through clothing, whatever it takes, God, that you will use that to show the love of your son Jesus. And God, that you will open up opportunities for gospel conversations and that the families will turn and put their hope and faith and, and, and everything they are into your son Jesus. So God, send the team, send the resources, and send your love and send your spirit and send Jesus into that area, Lord, that people will come to know you as the Lord and Savior. For it's your name we ask and we pray. Come on, everybody said. Amen, amen. Well, grab your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five, we're in this series called Happily Ever After, maybe, or Happily Ever Before, or Happily Ever Now. And so last week we talked about if you were single or single again, you need to go back and watch last week because we talked about what does it mean to be happily ever before you get married, we asked four questions. There's a million questions you should ask, but there were four questions that we looked at. I wanna encourage you, if you missed it, please go back and check that out. But today we're gonna talk about happily ever now. Now you found the one. Now he's all that, right? Oh my gosh, I'm ready to take him home to mama so mama can meet my man. Like, I mean, you found it. You've got your, your one carat platinum diamond ring. Let's go, prophesize that, right? So you've got that in place and everything is good. You're planning, you picked the dress, you're ready. You found the right one. I'm ready, this is the one I'm gonna spend the rest of my life with. And all of a sudden you're, you have butterflies, you're excited and you, you, you know this is the one. And so if you are getting married, if you plan to get married, this is for you. If you just got married, uh, this is for you. If you've been married, you may realize that maybe some of the problems you've had in your marriage is because no one really explained to you what marriage means and what is the true biblical meaning of a marriage and, and where did it come from? And so my question to you is, where did you learn about marriage? Like, who taught you marriage? Who, who modeled that for you? Was it your parents? 
that model that for you? Was it something you read in a book? Is it just something you just took for granted and you just listened to you say people get up and they get married when they grow up and they get married? Like where, where was your influence of marriage? Could it be from your parents? Could it be from your church? Could it be from movies that you watch with your fairy tale endings? Princess Bride, by the way, let's go, right? That's a good one if you haven't seen it. Write that off your bucket list. You're welcome, you're welcome for going and Googling and watching Princess Bride. And so maybe it's through the Princess Bride and it's marriage that you know, brought you here today. Uh, maybe it's culture and we allow culture to find what marriage is and what marriage should look like. And when you step up and say, no, that's not what marriage is, then you get canceled in this culture. And so where, where do you define marriage and who modeled it for you? And, and how do you know really what the meaning of marriage is versus just a 30-minute ceremony to put a ring on your finger, change your last name, sign a certificate, and off on your honeymoon? And you're gone. Like, what is the true meaning of marriage? And so in Ephesians chapter five, you hang tight right there with me, but I'm gonna go back to Genesis chapter one, two, and three here really briefly and look at the meaning of marriage or how God designed marriage or the idea that God had in place. And so in Genesis chapter two, verse 21, it says, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took one of his man's ribs and closed up the opening, took the rib and made a woman. And then the Lord made the woman from the rib and brought her to the man. Just a really quick uh, commercial for last week, if you missed it. Eve had a relationship with God way before she had a relationship with her husband. It was God who brought Eve to the man. So it was God who performed the first marriage ceremony. And so the guy wakes up, right? I mean, come on, you got a hole in his side now. He's been patched up, stitched up. And now here's this naked woman standing in front of him who is gonna be his wife. And he says, at last. <laughs> like, 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 you don't really hear that right at your, at your, when she starts walking down the aisle. At last, you know, here she is. The man exclaimed, this is the bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, for she shall be called, whoa, man, because she was taken from man. And then verse 24, this explains why that a man should leave his father and his mother, get a job, move out of the basement, and is now, I'm sorry, I just added that part in there. Uh, father, mother, and is joined together to his wife, and the two are united into one. And so we see all the way back in Genesis, God performs the first wedding. He, God instituted marriage. He brought a man and a woman together for that for specific institution of marriage. And then we know the rest of the story, right? Sin enters into the world. Adam and Eve both sin. Because Adam and Eve is sin, sin has now been passed on to you. Sin has been passed on to me. It is in our flesh nature to sin. And so the perfect marriage just went right out the window because there is no such thing as a perfect, perfect marriage. And the reason why is because sin has entered into the world, it has entered into our life, and has entered into our marriage, and Satan will do everything in his power to destroy your marriage. He is gonna do everything in his power to destroy your marriage. And now what happened? Jesus comes on the scene. Jesus came, he died, he was placed in a tomb, he got up out of that tomb, and he ascended to the right hand of the Father, and every single person who puts their faith and trust in Jesus will be saved and have all their sins forgiven. God has conquered sin through his son, Jesus. And now on this side of the cross, as we put our faith and trust in Jesus, now we're sinful people, but we have been forgiven by grace, and now we found the one. And now we found the person we wanna spend the rest of our life with. 
And now we decide it's time for us to get married. And so if you plan on ever getting married, this is for you. If you just got married, you probably should have heard this before you got married, <laughs> this is for you. And if you're married, you're probably wondering, maybe this is some reason there's some problems in our marriage. And I know I can't do that in 22 minutes, but I can give it my best to give you some guiding principles as we walk through this. So in Ephesians chapter five is the marriage passage. Like you could flip all through the Bible and it talks about, Jesus talks a little bit about marriage and all this stuff, but when it comes to the marriage passage, like if you're like, hey, let's, what's the Bible have to say about marriage? Ephesians chapter five is the place to go. This is really, and it's really broad, but it's, it's also vague a little bit. There's a few specific things, but the Bible really doesn't give advice in dating relationships. It doesn't give advice like, hey, pre-married, when you get engaged, what do you should do? The Bible's full of how we should treat one another, but when it comes to marriage, this is the passage. And so I'm gonna read this entire passage, let the clause come out, and then we'll just walk through it together as we unpack this. Y'all ready to get started? So let's go. All right, verse 21, starting verse 21. And further, I'm using a New Living Translation, so if you have your Bible app and you wanna go with me there. And further, and further, so let's stop right there real quick. He just talked about don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And when you're spirit-filled, you will sing praises, you will sing joy, there'll be, a, there'll be a change in your life when you are yielding and walking in the spirit. And he says, and furthermore, since you're filled with the spirit, look what he says, submit to one another out of the reverence of Christ. So as brothers and sisters in Christ, watch this, we are to submit to one another. I am to submit to you, you're to submit to me. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're in the family of God together. And a command, it's been commanded that you and I mutually submit to one another as a family of God. So make sure you have that in the context. So that's the first verse, 21. Verse 22, so wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church, that is Jesus. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. But for husbands, this means you're to love your wives as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean and washed her by cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot, wrinkle, or any blemishes. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. So real quick, there's a picture of a bride and groom. Jesus is the groom, the church is the bride. That's the picture here. Verse 28, in the same way, husbands, you ought to love your wives as you love your own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but he feeds it takes care of it, just as Christ cares for the church. So, and as we are members of this body, as the scripture says, and don't miss this, he quotes what Moses wrote in Genesis chapter two, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery. Marriage is a mystery. Do you see this? Paul says this is a great mystery. This is them, how they become one but it is an illustration of the way that Christ and the church are one. So again, I say to each man, love his wife as he loves himself. And I say to the wife, respect her husband, boom, and it stops. This is the marriage passage. And so I'm gonna come to you with an assumption that you believe this is God's word, that you trust this is God's word. 
And so what does God's word really have to say about marriage? Again, it's very broad in some, it's vague a little bit, few, few points there to be made, but then there's really no advice like, how do I fix the problem when my wife wants to hide the spending on her credit card bill? Can I get a witness from anybody, right? Like, maybe that's you. Maybe you don't wanna raise your hand. We don't want no marriage counseling breaking out right here, right? She hides the shoes and she'll say, but it's okay, I got them on sale. It doesn't matter. All right, let's go, right? Like, how do you deal with specific, how do you deal with how to handle your children and you're fighting over your children. Like there, there's no really like relationship jumping to area specific. Like what happens when you want to move and she don't want to move or you want to do things and she don't. Like there's no like, oh, come on, let me, well, let's sit down and let's find a verse to fix your spending. Like let's find the verse to say how that she burnt your meal. Okay, like let's, like I don't know. Like there's none for that. But there are some principles that if we just follow these that I believe in order that God will bless our marriage. So what is marriage? It's a mystery. I'm gonna give you really few, just a few things to help you get started. There's a lot of things, but there's just a few that maybe through this passage we can glean. Here's the first thing you know about marriage. Marriage is a covenant. Now this one's huge. This is the problem, and I only can speak for westernized civilization. I only can speak for those of us here in America, like as far as being around people, because I know all the parts of the world and how they do with marriage. But for us, marriage in the United States is not a covenant, it's a contract. And there's a huge, huge difference between a contract and a covenant. If you are going to get married, if you have already gotten married, you've entered into a covenant, not a contract. Malachi writes this, the Lord has been a witness between you and your wife. So when you get to the altar, when you do your thing, when you come, watch this, watch this, God witnessed you and your wife. She is your marriage companion, but wait, 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 but she is your wife by covenant. See, marriage is horizontally to your spouse, but vertically to God. And so when I made a covenant, I made a covenant to my wife, but a covenant to God. It's not a contract to God. It's a covenant. And this is where most marriages go south because they don't understand this. That's why the average length of a marriage today in America is eight years on the first marriage because they think they can enter into a contract, not a covenant. Now, what's the difference? A contract is a legal document that it's regulated by the state. It's just a contract. But a covenant is a sacred agreement that is overseen by God. A contract is based on two people. A covenant is based on two people and God because God is now in on this covenant. You brought God in on this covenant when you did this because God is the one that instituted marriage. A contract has written limited liability. There's liability in the contract, right? You're trying to word it and you're trying to get on and you're trying to you know, make it vague as you can. There's a limited liability. But a covenant embraces unlimited responsibility. It's unlimited responsibility when it comes to a covenant. Embedded in a contract is an opt-out clause, a termination clause. There's always a way I can get out, contingency in a contract, but not in a covenant. Covenant is intended to be permanent, irrevocable. It does not change. And so when you think of a contract, you demand the joy by mutual benefits. But when you see a covenant, it seeks joy by mutual sacrificing to each other. And so the first thing, if you plan on getting married or you are married, you need to understand something. You didn't enter into a contract. You entered into a covenant. And that should change the game to not enter into a covenant lightly before your spouse and before God. 
Because that is the covenant that you because God is the one that instituted marriage. And no one can change the order of how that is. It is one man, one woman, full eternity. That's what God defined as marriage, or to death do his part, which we can get to that later on another whole topic. But if you want God to bless your marriage, and you want blessings upon your marriage, you gotta understand there are divine principles how God wants you to operate within your marriage. And if you've entered into this marriage covenant, you need to know that if you operate with this divine instruction, you will have a long, satisfying marriage. What is that divine instruction? We only have a few glimpses of it when it comes from the Apostle Paul here in Ephesians chapter five. And so here's gonna be the second point that I'll make is this, is that marriage has an order. There is an order to marriage. There's an order, and I'm not talking about the order of your ceremony, you know, like, should the flower girls go, and the ring bird, does my mom or your mom go? No, I'm not talking about the order to the ceremony. I'm talking there's an order how God has ranked in this marriage. 1 Corinthians 11, verse three. But there is one thing I want you to know. Head of every man is Christ. Head of the woman is man, and head of Christ is God. You need to know this. Everything that God created has an order. Everything has an order. Creation has an order. Our earth, our, our universe is governed by laws of order. God is a God in order. God never shoots from the hip. It's always thought out, it's always planned out, and it's always perfect in God's design. There is an order to how God designed things. And I want you to understand this, when you think about the order of the family or the order of marriage, every person is equal. This is not talk about equal person. I love this because Genesis says that God made male and female in his image. They were equal, equal partners here. He's not talking about equal value. He's not talking about equal worth. He's not talking about equal as a person. He's talking about, but there is a difference in order and position and roles when it comes to the marriage and to the family. And our society, and when you talk about this and you get this out of place, all the calls wanna come out, people wanna come out and say, wait, 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 this, that's old fashioned, that's 2,000 years ago. And you're wondering why God's not blessing your marriage. Because there's an order to how he has designed this to happen. And if you just make a few observations here and think about this, Satan went after Eve to destroy the order. But who did God go to? When Eve sinned, he went to Adam. He went to the man. Because there's an order. There is a position. There is a role. And listen to me. Listen to me. Let me speak to all the husbands and all the men in here. If your marriage is falling apart, that is 100% your responsibility to fix it. It's your responsibility. See, men, we wanna fix everything, right? We wanna fix this, we wanna fix that, we wanna fix that. But when it comes to the marriage, we're passive about it. When it comes to the marriage, we're like, oh, I just don't know how to communicate. Like, I have no emotions. Like, I don't understand her. Like, listen to me, listen to me. You are responsible for your marriage. Hardly ever does a man call the office and ask and help for marriage counseling. It's always the wife. It's always the woman. Listen to me, sir. If you want to fix your marriage, it starts with you. So man up and be the man that God's created you to be. Quit just saying, well, someday we'll fix it. Take your wife for granted. That's just how she is. She loves slamming cabinet doors. She always says this stuff, but she'll always come back. Someday she won't, sir. Man up and be a man and fix your marriage. Quit outsourcing this. God goes, Adam, what's up, bro? 
Well, and guess what Adam did? He did exactly, well, well uh, uh, God, that woman, like she was fine when she was naked and all that stuff, but, but that woman you gave me, she, and he blamed her. And he blamed her. So God goes to Eve, Eve, <laughs> that, that, that serpent, man, and she blamed. And we've been blaming each other since we left the garden. God went to Adam because it's Adam's responsibility because it's the role, it's the position. It's equal in partnership, it's equal in worth, it's equal in value, but when it comes to the family, there is a role, there is an order because God is a God of order and our society cannot stand it and it's gonna do everything it can to attack the image of God and destroy marriages. And we need to raise up a generation that says, no, be a godly man, lead as God called you to lead. And I'm gonna get into that, man. I don't know if I'm gonna do it in nine minutes. Y'all better buckle up, man. I'm gonna tell you. So we gotta make it. You break the order, break the blessing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip that next verse. Let's go in here um, to the third principle. And it's this. Marriage has principles. There are principles when it comes to a marriage. There's these divine principles that we need to operate in if we really want God to move in our marriage. And Ephesians 5, so I'm gonna kick in. This is not the caffeine. I haven't had coffee, but I'm gonna speed up so we make sure that we get to the next service. If not, the next service won't watch the Super Bowl game because I'm gonna keep preaching. All right, so Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. It says, so again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Men, your wife's greatest need is in her heart. And that is love. She needs to know that you love her more than anything else. She, she needs to know that you adore her. There's no one else. There will be no one else. That you are her main focus. Like she is your main focus more than anything else. Now listen, and if you don't know what your wife's love language is, and if you're a dude, I promise you, you probably don't. Because she don't told, told you, because women don't tell their hinters. They hint. Why do they hint all the time? You know, they just hint. Well, the garbage is overflowing. <laughs> Yeah, man, somebody should get it. <laughs> like, oh, you mean you want me to get it? Just tell me to get the garbage. Like, anyway, it's another whole summer, right? And so listen to me. And if you don't know your love language is, we will help you. There's a free test. It's the five love language. It's online. You can Google it, take it. And whatever your wife's love language is, move heaven and earth to fulfill it. The greatest thing she needs to know is right here in her heart is this, is that she loves. Ma'am, the greatest thing your husband needs to know is right here in his head, and it's respect. He wants to be respected. He wants to be respected. Now listen, before the clause come out, well, if I had a man, I would respect. Wait, 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 wait. He wants, and just generally, he wants to be respected. He knows you love him. He wants to be respected. Sir, don't take it for granted that she knows that you love her. Paul says you should love your wife, but wife, you should respect your husband. There's a reason that we believe that God put that there because that is one of the greatest needs for a wife and a husband to have and know. Genesis 3:16. watch this. Then, then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy and the pain you will have during childbirth. And all the lady says, wow, really? <laughs> Stupid fruit. And then look what, look, what, look what it says. And because sin has entered into the world, you're gonna try to disrupt the order. And what happened? You will desire to control your husband but he will rule over you. The two of them have become one and they have been fighting who is the one since then. Who's the one? Who's the one? And you're gonna to desire to control. Listen, I mean, this, it, it's really simple when you unpack it. 
but, but what happens is grace comes on the scene, redemption comes on the scene, love now comes on the scene, and now that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, watch this, we are to mutually submit to each other. Let me give you an observation. My wife gave her life to Jesus before she ever became my bride. I gave my life to Jesus before we ever got married. Before we ever got married, now watch this, we were brothers and sisters in Christ. We are joint heirs with Jesus, the Bible said. And according to verse 21 that we just read, we are to mutually to submit to each other before we ever got married. That's just what you do as a follower of Jesus. You surrender, you submit. Jesus didn't call himself equal with the Father, Philippians 2, but he humbled himself and didn't take on the, and took on the form of a, burn, a bond servant to serve us. And we're to model that to other believers. Even when I'm married, we're to, we're to, I am to submit and surrender to and put your knees before my knees. That's what you do when you're part of the family of God. And that's what verse 21 says. So we were brothers and sisters in Christ already mutually submitting to each other before we ever got married. And so, ladies, let's go with you first. In verse 22 and 24, it talks about submitting to your husband. I won't read all that again, just for time's sake. And then it says that to respect your husband. Two things when it comes is to submit. That is a choice, which is a military term, which means I purposely choose to place myself in the order and the role that God has designed for us as a married couple. That doesn't mean you can't pursue your career, that means you have no value, you have no worth, that you don't have a say-so, it has nothing to do with that. It's all about the order that God has set this up. And so what he's saying is this, is it's your choice, it's a choice for you to say, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go into the order of the blessing of a marriage that God has, and I'm gonna be the person to help my husband. I'm gonna be here, we're gonna do this together, and I am going to submit, and I'm gonna respect. And I know, I can, listen, that doesn't mean you're demeaning, that doesn't mean that he should be degrading, that doesn't mean he should be domineering. Listen to me, bro, if you have to tell your wife you're the man, you ain't the man. Listen to me, sir, if your wife is scared of you, you are failing as a husband. If she's afraid of you, you're failing. And it's your responsibility to fix it. So step up and be the man that God has called you to be and begin to fix it. And I know what some of you are saying. Say, if, if we would do this, this is so positive. This is not negative. The world thinks this is negative. This is positive because when you submit by choice, there's so many great things happen. Your husband, watch this, your husband now feels supported by you. Your husband now operates with self-respect that he longs and wants within him to help him be everything that God has called him to be. It will encourage him to step up and lead the family as God has called him and provide and protect for them. It will call, when you do these things, which will bring contentment, which will bring satisfaction in marriage, and I know what you're saying, there is no way in this world I'm gonna do that. And here's what your guys are saying, dude, man, that'd be amazing if my wife did that. So here, hear me out. Let me go to the fellas. It says right here, for the husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church, and he gave his life up for her. Listen to me, sir. If you will sacrificially love your wife as Christ loved the church, what did he do? It says that he gave up his life for her. That word love is agape love, which means there's five different ones in Greek. That one means an unconditional love with no strings attached. 
That means you fully surrender all your rights and put your wife first. It means that you sacrifice yourself for your wife. That you lay your life down for her and you get rid of all your self-interest and put your wife first. Now imagine, sir, if you did that. See, before you pump your chest up, say, that's right, honey, you need to listen to him. You need to submit to me. You need to respect me. Bro, you need to die for her every day. And you to love her as Christ loved the church. See, some of y'all, y'all are feeling sorry for the lady. You should be feeling sorry for the man because it's his response. Listen to me, ladies. If you know what God has called him to do and what God will hold him accountable for, you will be praying for your husband to become this. Sir, you're to sacrifice yourself daily for your wife and put all her needs and everything and put her first. And then he goes on and says, in the same way you should agape your wife, you should love your wife unconditionally as you love your own bodies. What does he say? You feed your body, you care for your body. Your translation may say you nourish and you cherish it. Just as Jesus nourishes and cherishes the church. He's telling you to be like Jesus, sir. And so that means this, that I will nourish her, which means this, I will support her, I will maintain her, and I will sustain her. That's what it means to nurse. Cherish means I will make warm, to cherish. It means to make shine. It means, watch this, to cheer. Listen to me, bro, listen to me. If you would sacrificially love your wife unconditionally, and put her first before everything else. Your job, your paycheck, your accolades, your dreams, you put her before everything else and you maintain her and sustain her and you love her unconditionally and you keep her warm by being her biggest cheerleader and cheer her and make her shine, she'll have no problem submitting and respecting you. You see the order? See, you think that, hey, you place yourself under someone, but he is to die for you. He is to model, he is to be Jesus. What Jesus is to the church is to be to his bride. No wonder our society won't attack man. No wonder Satan wants to destroy the family. No wonder they wanna raise up a generation that's fatherless. Because the biggest problem to family day in the United States and in America is dads. Stepping up, being a man and being the dad and the husband that God, you do that, we could see revival. We see revival right now breaking out in Asbury. I'm gonna go there this week and check this out. But we will see revival. You show, me, you show me a man that sold out for Jesus and I'll show you a family that sold out for Jesus. Bro, it starts with you. It starts with me. And then there's the permanent love. In verse 31, as the scripture says, a man leaves his father and a mother and they are joined to his wife and the two are united into one. That word joined means to be glued, literally. It's stuck, it's cleaned. It's, it's stuck together, it, it's glued together that you can't pull them apart. So when a husband and a wife come together and they make a covenant before God, they are glued together. This is a permanent 
love for each other. Now, you sure you want to get married, sir? Because you have to leave all your selfishness at the altar. Because what you're about to commit to her and a covenant to her and before God is I will be Jesus and love her. And I won't be her Jesus. You can never be her savior. I am a terrible savior for my wife. I can never be her savior. But I'm to lay my life down for her. To sustain, maintain, support, cheer, warm, cherish, care her. And maybe the reason why some of you realize that your marriage has gone sideways is you've got it out of order. And maybe that's a hard word for all of us because it attacks the core really what, of why you and I sin and that is pride. Because I wanna be in control or I wanna be this. But Jesus says in my kingdom, it's the, it's the last who will be first. It's the one who serves who will be noticed. So husbands, we're here to serve our spouse, to serve our bride as Christ served the church. And ladies, I, begin, I, would, I, would, I hope that you begin to pray for your husband that he will be what God has called him to be. And I'm telling you, when you become the helpmate, as we talked about last week, and come beside him and we're equal in partnership, we're equal partnership. There's a different and order and role in the family. And we do this, God will say, I'm gonna bless this family, I'm gonna use this family to change our family tree. That we raise up a generation and they see and get modeled what marriage is at home not what they hear in school, not what they watch on TV, not what culture has to say about it, but what God and how he's designed it. I'm gonna ask you just to, for a moment, bow your heads. If you ever wanna know why we do this, it's really just for you to have a moment of reflection before we leave. It's nothing super spiritual about you closing your eyes or bowing your head. It's for you just to stop for a moment and say, okay, God, what, do you wanna, what, is you, what are you saying to me today? What do I need to work on? What do I need to change? What do I need to celebrate? What encouragement, what affirmation? What do you, how did you use your word to speak to me? Because the moment you walk out this door, your mind's gonna go 2,400 places and you, but this is a moment just to take a good, God, what do you wanna say to me? And I'm gonna speak to the husband and wife, or if you plan on getting married, and I said this last week, you can never be able to love your spouse, sir, the way she desires and has been designed to be loved without first experience the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. And the greatest thing, sir, you could ever do for yourself, for your family, for any that is to give your life to Jesus and follow him. Ma'am, there's no way you can Submit, respect, and love unconditionally your husband till you really experience the unconditional love of Jesus. And maybe today, some of you need to go home and you need to look at your spouse and you need to repent and say, I am sorry that I have not been that for you. 
but today, and I can't change the past, but today is gonna be a new day and I'm gonna commit to love you unconditionally. I'm gonna commit to be the one who cheers and nourishes and cares for you. I'm gonna be the one who's gonna put you before everything else in any of my needs. And today could be the turning point of your marriage. When you repent before God, repent to your spouse. And God cleanses you and forgives you and wants to use you greatly. And I believe, I'm always believing, and I believe that your marriage is the best, could be the best ever. No matter what you've gone through, what has happened, it could be the best. It's never too far gone. If God can resurrect his son from the dead, he could resurrect your marriage from the dead. And if you wanna give your life to Jesus today, I'd encourage you right where you are just to confess to him, say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me, I believe you died for me, and I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And today, as best as I know how, I repent of my sin, and I'm gonna put all my faith and trust in you. And if that's you, just in a moment, host or your campus pastor is gonna come out and they're gonna share with you your next step. God, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you so much for marriage, an institution that you've ordained between one man and one woman. And God, this attack been all on marriages has been since day one on your identity and on your word. And I just pray, Lord, for all the hurting marriages in our church, in our cities, in our region, that God, that today we'll start a, a movement of husbands and wives who says, you know, we wanna do what God wants us to do. We wanna be the family that God wants us to be, and we're gonna do whatever it takes to get in position and order and role and principles for God's anointing to bless our marriage, that will bless our family, that will bless our children, that would change our family trees, that would change churches, that would change cities, that would change regions for the gospel, because it starts at home. God, would you do that? And we'll give you all the glory and all the praise for which your son's name we ask and pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Man, if you love that message, man, if you felt led to take a next step, Man, we love to take next steps here, and we just wanna connect with you. And you can let us know by going to betterlife.church slash next steps. Like I said, man, we just wanna connect with you. We wanna help you, and we just wanna love on you. Man, another next step that you can do, man, if you love what God is doing here at Better Life Church, and you wanna just support what he is doing, you can go to betterlife.church slash give, and you can give there. Man, thank you so much for what you're doing, and we cannot wait to see you here next week.